Good morning. Today is June 30th, 2020. It's Tuesday. Our readings for today are Psalms 121, 122, and 123. 120 is optional. Numbers 22:21 through 38. Romans 7:1 through 12, and the Gospel of Matthew 21:23 through 32. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Creator, to set forth God's praise, to hear God's holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. God of all mercy, we confess that we have sinned against you, opposing your will in our lives. We have denied our goodness, your goodness in each other, in ourselves, and in the world you have created. We repent of the evil that enslaves us, the evil we have done, and the evil done on our behalf. Forgive, restore, and strengthen us through our Savior Jesus Christ, that we may abide in your love and serve only your will. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy One is in our midst. O come, let us worship. Come, let us sing to God. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise to God a shout with psalms. For you are a great God. You are great above all gods. In your hand are the caverns of the earth, and the heights of the hills are yours also. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee and kneel before God our Maker. For you are our God, and we are the people of your pasture and the sheep of your hand. Oh, that today we would hearken to your voice. The Holy One is in our midst. O oh, come, let us worship. Psalm 121 I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from God, who made heaven and earth. God will not let your foot be moved. The one who keeps you will not slumber. The one who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God is your keeper. God is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. God will keep you from all evil. God will keep your life. God will keep your going out and your coming in, from this time on and forevermore. 
Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of God. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together. To it the tribes go up, the tribes of God, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of God. For there the thrones for judgment were set up, the thrones for the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For the sake of my relatives and friends, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of our sovereign God, I will seek your good. Psalm 123 To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. As the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to God, until God has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O God, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than its fill of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Numbers, chapter 22, verses 21 through 38. So Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the officials of Moab. God's anger was kindled because he was going. And the angel of God took a stand in the road as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey, and his two servants were with him. The donkey saw the angel of God standing in the road with a drawn sword in their hand. So the donkey turned off the road and went into the field, and Balaam struck the donkey to turn it back onto the road. Then the angel of God stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. When the donkey saw the angel of God, it scraped against the wall and scraped Balaam's foot against the wall, so he struck it again. Then the angel of God went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of God, it lay down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then God opened the mouth of the donkey, and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you, that you have struck me these three times? Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have made a fool of me, I wish I had a sword in my hand. I would kill you right now. But the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey, which you have ridden all your life to this day? Have I been in the habit of treating you this way? And he said, No. Then God opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of God standing in the road with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed down, falling on his face. The angel of God said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? I have come out as an adversary, because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. And if if it had not turned away from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let it live. Then Balaam said to the angel of God, I have sinned, for I did not know that you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, therefore, if it is displeasing to you, I will return home. 
The angel of God said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only what I tell you to speak. So Balaam went on with the officials of Balak. When Balak heard that Balaam had come, he went out to meet him at Ir Moab, on the boundary formed by the Arnon, at the farthest point of the boundary. Balak said to Balaam, Did I not send to summon you? Why did you not come to me? Am I not able to honor you? Balaam said to Balak, I have come to you now, but do I have power to say anything? To say just anything. The word God puts in my mouth, that is what I must say. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle M, A Song of Faith Blessed be the God and Creator of our Savior Jesus Christ. By divine mercy we have a new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we have an inheritance that is imperishable in heaven. The ransom that was paid to free us was not paid in silver or gold, but in the precious blood of Christ, the Lamb without spot or stain. God raised Jesus from the dead and gave him glory so that we might have faith and hope in God. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Reading from Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only during that person's lifetime? Thus a married woman is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is discharged from the law concerning the husband. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, and if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. In the same way, my friends, you have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for, for God. While we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now that we are discharged from the law, dead to that which held us captive, so that we are slaves, not under the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. What then should we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. I would, have not, I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity in the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died, and the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity in the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and just and good. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle H, A Song of Hosea Come, let us return to our God, who has torn us and will heal us. God has struck us and will bind up our wounds. After two days, revive us. On the third day, restore us, that in God's presence we may live. 
Let us humble ourselves. Let us strive to know God, whose justice dawns like morning light. Its dawning assures the sunrise. God's justice will come to us like a shower, like spring rains that water the earth. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 through 32. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say, from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say, of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, The first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collector excuse me, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him, and even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. Here with the Spirit Pardon me again. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Jesus Christ. Let us affirm our faith together. We believe in God, the nurturer and teacher, from whom is named every family in heaven and on earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, begotten of divine love, who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with that love. We believe in God, the Holy Spirit. She strengthens us with power from on high. We believe in one God, source of all being, love incarnate, spirit of truth. Amen. <clears throat> Hear our cry, O God, and listen to our prayer. Let us pray. Our Creator in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your dominion come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the sovereignty, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We'll use the suffrages in Enriching Our Worship, Volume 1. They are found on page 42. Help us, O God our Savior. Deliver us and forgive us our sins. Look upon your congregation. 
Give to your people the blessing of peace. Declare your glory among the nations and your wonders among all peoples. Do not let the oppressed be shamed and turned away. Never forget the lives of your poor. Continue your loving kindness to those who know you and your favor to those who are true of heart. Satisfy us by your loving kindness in the morning. So shall we rejoice and be glad all the days of our life. Almighty God, you have built your church upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Grant us so to be joined together in the unity of spirit by their teaching, that we may be made a holy temple acceptable to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you as eternal life and to serve you as perfect freedom, defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries, through the might of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. <clears throat> Heavenly Creator, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the cares and occupations of our life we may not forget you, but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. few thoughts on our readings. Our psalms this morning are psalms of ascent. So these are songs that would be sung as pilgrimages were made to Jerusalem. And I think we are definitely communally in a time of spiritual pilgrimage now. So it's a really good reminder to lift our eyes to God, to keep our sight fixed on God, because where our sight is fixed, there also does our movement follow? Our Hebrew scripture reading from Numbers starts out in what is a confusing way for me. God has just told um, Balaam to go to make this journey, but then he's mad at him for going. So getting past that a little bit, I think there's a huge lesson for us here. Um, Beyond the fact that, as we so often hear, that God can speak through anyone, even a donkey. But beyond that, um, I think there's an important lesson about getting curious about other people or, or other aspects of creation when they are not... Um, behaving in a way that makes sense to us. So the donkey is seeing the angel and avoiding him and, and so really behaving in this crazy erratic way and as opposed to stopping and inquiring, getting curious about why the donkey is doing what he's doing, Balaam just starts beating him. And this is really... This really drives, drives something home for me as a parent that, that often our kids do something that seems crazy and we just react harshly, you know, stop doing that or even what's wrong with you. Instead of getting curious about why are you acting 
you know, why are you doing this? And peeling back the onion and kind of seeing what's underneath. And often our children do have a sensitivity to the spiritual world or to things that are around them and they process those differently than we do. Um, I really honestly believe that sometimes children can see things that we can't see and not that our children are like donkeys, right? But rather than trying to beat the people in the world around us into our idea of proper behavior, maybe we should stop and, and question in a really respectful and spiritually inquisitive way, if that makes sense. Because maybe someone is seeing something that we don't. And in this case, the donkey is saving Balaam's life by avoiding, you know, this flaming angel with a sword. When we become, you know, related to the to the Psalms and, and keeping our eyes fixed on God, when we become fixed on a particular goal or purpose and make that the center point of our journey as opposed to having God the center point of our journey and, and any other goal or purpose being being a waypoint as part of that journey, if that makes sense. Like one one thing within the greater whole and and the really central focus always being fixed on God, we can, we can miss God. We can even miss God and God's messengers when we're in the middle of a godly mission. You know, we can, we can be doing a ministry for the church and become so fixed on the particular milestones and goals of that ministry that we lose sight of the bigger picture of, of God and, and, and God's godliness. So I think it's a really, or God's holiness as expressed to us. So I think it's really important to focus on God and have our eyes open to the unexpected and to get curious, to respectfully and lovingly and with open heart and mind inquire of that which seems strange and different. And I'm not saying strange and different in an evil way that perhaps you want to best left alone, but but strange and different in a out of the ordinary sort of way. So there's that. And then I think this dovetails nicely with our New Testament reading, which, or our epistle, pardon me, um, <clears throat> which speaks to the difference between a life in the law and a life in the spirit. And in the same way that when fix, fixated on, on a particular goal within the journey, even if the greater journey journey's purpose is, is to go towards Christ, when we lose sight of the greater purpose and get focused on, on the particular piece of the path that we're on, on the moment, um, so too I think this passage speaks when we get fixated on the letter of the law, we can miss out um, on the spirit. 
and I know that that's that's kind of a little bit of a different twist um spirit and letter of law of vice living under the law and, and living under the holy spirit but I do think that they're related because the the law was spirit inspired even though we had not yet had Christ and had Pentecost and come to draw within us but without the spirit the law is is ineffective is incomplete and leaves holes like this passage says for sin to get in and so although it's very helpful to have a a rule of life um, to have guidelines for holy living um, those cannot be the end in and of themselves Um, a spirit life a God-filled life a life focused on God must be the whole point the whole purpose the ultimate goal and relationship with an indwelling of the spirit will help you navigate life in a way that when the enemy attacks because the enemy always does when sneak sin sneaks in because it always does when temptation strikes because it does and, and by always i don't mean that it does always all of the time but that it does um you know you know no life um either pre or post baptism or sal- salvation in the way some members of the church have been calling anyway um My point is that only one life was completely without sin, and that was the life of Jesus. So when sin or doubt or temptation, any distraction, right, sneaks in or slips in or afflicts you, Falling back on the love of Christ, which is the ultimate commandment and the ultimate goal, love that is, um, is what will help you get back up again. And just a couple other points with this reading, and then I promise I will I will wrap up my somewhat convoluted rumination on it, and we will move on. So according to my commentary, there's a thought that this is not just talking about um, Jewish law, but also perhaps Roman law. And so that's an interesting twist on it, too, when you kind of this is really multifaceted, this this whole concept of the law. You can really look at this a lot of ways. So I, I encourage looking at this from several different angles and perspectives and then. Paul mentions in verse 5, the flesh. While we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. I really wish that Paul had been a little different in the way he expressed his feeling about what my commentary refers to here as the flesh, here an environment dominated by sin and death. So I wish he'd been different about the way he expressed what he saw as, like, the imperfection of humanness, you know? 
um, honestly, I wish he'd been a little less divisive and binary period, like separating out that which is spiritual is holy and that which is flesh is, is sinful and bad. And I really feel like I, I wish I could go back and talk to him because I wonder if that's really what he intended to do is, is set this effect that through the centuries people would come to regard their bodies and everything earthly as impure and less than and unworthy. Or if maybe he was just trying to wrap his own human brain around understanding why, as he says elsewhere, he does the very things that he doesn't want, want to do, why he is imperfect, you know? Um, but there's been so much damage, particularly in the use of the word flesh, to capture everything that is sinful and weak and imperfect about humanity and store all our feelings of self-hatred and disgust in there, in this container that we're calling flesh. And I think it has kept us from fully loving ourselves. So I, I really... I really believe that God created us in these particular bodies and that these bodies are part of our beautiful divinely created selves and that we should love them and reconcile ourselves with them. And I think that that would go a lot further towards being able to live in the way of love than the continued self-hatred. So I guess that's part of my prayer for us, that we would reconcile with our bodies and come to love ourselves completely and to dwell completely in God's love, not trying to somehow leave the body on the outside of that circle of love. May we, may we reconcile and holistically love ourselves. Amen. So on to our gospel reading from Matthew and I think there's a really important lesson for us about the way of love in this too so we have again what we talked about a day or two ago that the Pharisees are asking this question not because they are or excuse me, it doesn't actually say it's the Pharisees, the chief priests and the elders are not asking this question of Jesus because they're really curious about the answer. They don't really want to know. Um, and so that's what Jesus's answer has to do with when he, he tells them, I'm not going to tell you. It re it's really because they don't want to know. They don't want the real answer. They just want the answer that is going to help them preserve the status quo and their place. And they're asking out of that place of fear and perceived scarcity that we talk about often, friends. And that's not a great place to come from. That's not a good place for a really open conversation, right? That's just trying to be self-defensive and, and entrapping. So leaving that aside then, um, Jesus tells them, A short parable about the two sons in the vineyard 
And then Jesus tells them directly what the point is, which I think is not always what happens, right? But it it happens here. So he's like the tax collectors and the prostitutes, you know, two of the most quote unquote unclean and reviled professions in in the society and culture of, of the context in which he's speaking, they're going ahead of you because they believed. So the way isn't the way of the rule and the laws and the structure that was set up. The way of love is simply the way of faith. He doesn't say the former tax collectors and prostitutes. He doesn't say the prostitutes who cleaned up their lives. He says the tax collectors and prostitutes. There isn't anything, and I know this is a story that you've heard before, there isn't anything that has to be done first before you believe. The very kingdom of heaven is open to all who have faith. The way of love is simple and yet extremely difficult, right? Because, at least for me, it feels so nebulous. And there is such a great temptation in the formulaic way, as I think of it. Because it seems more secure. But as we pray often in our suffrages and as is is written in our scriptures, the only true security is in God. So I hope it is comforting and not scary that it's not about getting it perfectly. It's not about striving our way into heaven. It's just about faith. It's just about believing. What little we have, God will take it and make it enough. Praise be to our God that welcomes tax collectors and prostitutes and the least of all kinds who created us holy and divinely. May we walk in the way of love. Amen.
apologize if, if this was a little bit discombobulated. I recorded morning prayer three times and in three different places, and I'm finally finishing it up the following morning. So please forgive me for that. I know it is not only less concise, and I'm not that concise to begin with, but also there's all kinds of different background noises, and, and I am using a lot of verbal pauses and a lot of actual pauses, and there's just all kinds of of stuff in this one, but I hope there's something in there. I hope I got my own self and imperfection out of the way enough that the Holy Spirit said something. And I'm very glad that you could all be with here, be here with me today, my friends. I love you all very much. Today and yesterday, I guess I should say. So let's, let's close with um, the general thanksgiving found on page 101. Actually, as a prayer for mission, let's say, as we have been the prayer of St. Francis. God, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Almighty God, giver of all mercies, we, your beloved co-conspirators in the Universal Christ Project, walkers of the way of love, humble believers, give you thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by our Savior Jesus Christ for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And, we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. Glory to God, whose power working within us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. We live without fear, for our Creator has made us holy, has always protected us, and loves us as a good mother loves her children. We go now in peace to follow the good road, and may God's blessing be with us always. Amen.